0: Your chillin' is spillin' like a villain and English rhymes are cheap. Your countdown has begun. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Internet, it's Saturday morning. It's the chill. It's like Saturday morning cartoons, but for big boys, actually, for for guys who are really sick of being boys and ready to be men, Christian men at that, ladies, you're, you're welcome. We love always to have the ladies along for a sojourn. It's better to not be alone. I think that's what God said in the beginning. If you know about such things here at the Saturday Morning Chill with me, the mad Christian, what am I? Indeed. <laughs> um, your friend, and neighbor in Jesus Christ our Lord, do you know he's risen? Do you know that uh, that means you're paid for? Do you know that that means you are immortal now, not later, now? And do you know that that means, well, I should just say that the now, it won't be long until that now is more noticeable. As he won't be long now in making this not just what is, but what you feel. <laughs> Oh, that makes me happy. When I when I think about that thought, um there's some water that will seal this for your conscience if you're worried about whether you believe enough and there's also some bread and some wine that will feed this if you're worried in your conscience about whether you've been good enough. These things need to be handled carefully lest you be condemned in your conscience by someone who thinks they don't do anything or there's random events that happen. Um, so, But the water seals it, the, the the food feeds it and this is Christianity when we gather around these things. Uh, I don't think that makes this show church. I'm alone in my basement. My kids are over there. They might be watching but I'm not sure this spirit follows a electrons. I know that the word of God definitely is working where you are through what I'm saying here, but to say that this is what God means when he says, go into all nations gathering... What we're doing is we're diasporid, right? We we are dispersed church, uh, but we should always be local church too. So I am here today to encourage you to go to church tomorrow. I I really want to say that. I think there's a lot of you out here that feed from me, and that's great. But if you can, now there's some of you who can't, okay? I'm not talking to you right now. Just, just, I'm not talking to you right now. If you can, Go to church tomorrow because there is a faithful place to go to church tomorrow. Let me encourage you to do so. Yes, go and receive the absolution from the hand of the pastor. Go and receive the supper if you are indeed confirmed. Go and be fed because he has risen and you are paid for and he's not going to be long now. I've been thinking a lot about the day of rest and resting and the word Sabbath and how these things connect to the spirit of man and the fullness of your heart whether it is full or not uh, and i am convinced more and more that even though uh, hear me out on this one even though there is no law against having like the movie theater open on Sunday evening, although think about it in the big picture as I say that, um, there is no law against such things. There is no law against you opening your restaurant on on Sunday evening. Can we say that maybe we've overshot the load here? Just a a touch, just a touch with regard to I don't need to rest and sitting with my family and doing nothing just is, is random. Let's do crazy stuff. And even when we sit, let's make it crazy and the best ever and forever. Right. Do, do you think maybe we've 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 lost what the Sabbath means? Maybe that the idea of the day of rest is the day in which you're not going to try to make life better for once. right? And, and you're just going to let what is be and then look at the people with you and, and, and try to get to know them better. Right. Uh, try to spend some time with them. Um, I don't think that that's like something you should go and apply to your life as a way of like, well, I've got to see whether I've done enough Sabbath this week, right? No, 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 no. But what I am saying is that as a culture, we don't have any. We got zero. you know, And we, we got we to gotta not do that as Christians. We have to fight back against the zeitgeist, uh, the, 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 the matrix white noise death cloud that is American civilization. We got to fight back against that in our houses, in our homes by resting, literally by resting. And when you rest uh, amazingly, I think with the Psalter open, just a touch, maybe some Proverbs, sprinkle it, and a little story from the Bible here and there. This is what God actually commands in the third commandment. This is what he says you have to do. So Christianity saves you from your breaking the law, but it doesn't save you so that you can say there is no law, right? It doesn't save you so you can say there is no good or evil. Everything is happy now. That's not what Christianity says. It says that you have been saved from your breaking of the law entirely and forever. So try to keep it Because now you can see something. You can see that you weren't supposed to do it for you, right? You weren't supposed to keep the law so you can make God happy and go to heaven. It's not about you. (laughs) You were supposed to keep the law for your neighbor. Uh, You were supposed to keep the law for your neighbor and society. Now, the part that is about you would be these other parts, though. uh, What? To pray in God's name with his word. uh, And the Sabbath again. So, let me suggest to you that, that... you need a little more of that in your life. And and that I'm not really that. I'm a talking head, I'm a bouncing baby boy. <laughs> you know, make noise and you know, here's the screen. Yay, we all get our little fix of the screen, right? And it's Christian. So that's good. And if you need that in your life, you need that in your life, right? But you also need in your life some not <laughs> you know, you, you, <laughs> you need something that slows down and let you think about it for a second. I mean, how much do I let you think about it for a second? I do not. Let you think about it for a second. There's a reason for that because if I do let you think about it for a second, not only will you drift off and maybe not come back, so will several other people, right? And so no one will watch. (laughs) And so the the show, whenever it's a show, cannot stop giving you information. And this is what makes it so difficult for you to process any of it and why I suggest you always take notes when you watch stuff. You should take notes. Otherwise, you don't know what they just programmed you to think. You do not. You think you do. I am a rock. I am an island. Yeah, sure. Okay, right. Zombies. Zombies! The uncertainty in the zeitgeist... I still have paper in my life. The uncertainty in the zeitgeist catalyzed by the 2020 meta-event fractured the capability of post-Britannic city-states to foster optimistic common stories. Americans, therefore, have no shared future, and we know it. That's my platform. That's my common story. And then I'm going to tell you that Christianity, that makes us really strong... Oh my goodness, we just got like a level up like no one knows. But we have to be able to talk to each other, and we have to actually care about our Christianity more than all the other stuff. And that's just it. Right now, I mean, we're on Pinocchio's island. It's not his island. He just landed there, right? All the pleasure, all the toys. But look, it's going down. People are turning into donkeys. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Jump off the island and get swallowed by a whale. That story sounds familiar. I am crazy, so it doesn't matter if you disagree. (laughs) Actually, you know what? This This is the craziest thing, okay? I'm not crazy. I'm probably one of the sanest people you will ever meet. A poor person is anyone who does not have what you have. To put an end to such poverty would be possible only once no one has anything. Trying to have everyone have everything is ludicrous. You'd have to write that one down and think about it to really get it, I think. Remembering yesterday is of far more pragmatic value than imagining tomorrow. Um, huh, I think I disagree with that. This morning, I wrote down that uh, yesterday is for throwing in the fire. <laughs> There's some of both, I think. Uh, I see where this is going, though. This is me dealing with my own, like, futuristing, which is connected to my CT. <laughs> I always say CT. C-P-T-S-D. Uh, one of the things someone with C-P-T-S-D will do is project futuristic disasters upon their themselves like constantly uh, and so you future project and then you you like solve the problem ahead of time you can become very good at some things in life by doing this hi um <laughs> but uh it's not really fun I wouldn't call it fun ever uh so learning to like stop imagining tomorrow and like remember that yesterday was a good day, which in my world it was even though it wasn't really fun, right? It wasn't a fun day, but it ended up being a very good day, um, as shown by this morning as well. And then its fruits, its fruits came into the next day. Um, But, uh, remembering yesterday is a far more pragmatic value than imagining tomorrow. This is also me trying to push back. I don't think I'd agree with this statement fully. Um, This is also trying to push back, which is my statement, by the way. Uh, uh, What I'm trying to push back against is the idea that you need to plan in such overwhelming uh, amounts for your life. (laughs) I'm watching, say, my kids grow up a little bit and think about things like marriage. We teach them that marriage is a good thing. And the first thing they want to do is is start making it happen. Right? This is just intuitive to all of us as humans. You want to make what you want to have happen, happen. But the level of expectation that's put upon you by the story of the present age is to be able to make more things happen than can really happen. And Or you got to go into extreme amounts of debt to try to make them happen, um, you anyway, know, brief history of power. Two white guys. It's a podcast. You should listen to it. Me and Dr. Coons. We talk about stuff like debt slavery. Uh, you can find that on iTunes or, yeah, iTunes. I think uh, you you have to try to find us because honestly, we don't want to get found that bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the name of the show. Good is killed. Anyway, um, <laughs> trying to plan your future is what's sold to you by American civilization. Picket fence, retirement, come here, it'll be better. Maybe for your grandkids. I mean, that's what they tell the immigrants, I think. Uh, That's not what they tell us, right? Um, So yeah, uh, far better to see what you had today than, right? Far better to be where you are than to covet where you are not, I guess, would be another way to get what I'm pushing at there. Uh, Here's one for all y'all sinners out there. (laughs) You are not as bad as you think you are but evil is an order of badness of an entirely different kind. Uh, that's probably mush for a lot of you, but but for some of you, you are not as bad as you think you are is really important for you to know. I mean, you're, you're a sinner, okay? So yeah, 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 okay. So stop it though. We You know. <laughs> and so um, what, the crazy thing is you're not a raving lunatic who's out there killing people. You're not driving around, not caring about anybody in your life. You're not living off the government, right? You're, you're, you are striving to, I mean in a bad way you're striving to be a good person so maybe 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 something that some of you who struggle with these internal trials like i do and you've talked about that you've shared that with me um maybe what you really need is just to like realize you're good enough my and this isn't a matter of you and jesus in terms of him testing he's told you you're good enough you're good enough to save it doesn't mean i saved you because you're good but it means that since I saved you, you are. <laughs> I mean, if you want to argue which comes first, chicken or egg, Jesus is the one who delivers us. <laughs> but but you're not as bad as you think you are, most of you. Most of you are not. Uh, it, most of you are already Christians. You've been Christians for years. I'm not converting people on this show very often. I'm converting you from, like, like bad Christianity to, like, oh, let's think about it, Christianity, right? But, like, <laughs> and biblical. Let's, let's actually read the Bible and see what it really says. You know, that kind of thing. But... Um, <laughs> But most of you then have been striving to to perfect yourself for years, and you come to grace and Christianity because you know you can't, and yet you still you still try to. You haven't changed your mindset about what you can expect from your performance level, right? And so you get performance anxiety, uh, another feature of uh, CPTSD, by the way. Crazy thing, performance anxiety. Anyone who performs knows what it is. Imagine having it for every conversation ever. Yeah, that's fun. No, I was sarcastic, laughing at my pain right there. That's all right. You know what? On this show, though, laughing at pain, I, th- I think we have to have a little chuckle here and there. Uh, gotta cry sometimes, too. Every act of breaking with tradition depends on tradition. That one's good. That one's ma- Did I say that last week, too? Uh, I just throw it back in again. Um, there's always a poorest home in your hood. And there's always a poorer hood. <laughs> we live in an age of manifest, reasonable paranoia. Oh, my. Hmm. That's interesting. Oh, try this one. Uh, <laughs> this one's kind of scary, right? Okay, this is like like live action horror, okay? So go out and whenever you hear somebody this week, talk about them. Like, you know what they came up with? Did you see what they did? Did you hear what's going on over there with them? Anytime that anyone uses the word them or they in a context that does not refer to people locally present with you, okay? Just insert the demons. They're talking about the demons. Did you hear what they came up with? Here they they figured it out this time? You are a new magical potion? they're going to sell you? Huh? huh? Now, I don't think, I don't think, you know, there, there are demons in factories or anything like, well, I mean, I, not the way, there's too many ways to misunderstand that statement. What I believe is that the spirit of our age is one demonic spirit who has a, a legion of potentialities. And I'm not too worried about trying to figure that out and splice that hair. Yeah. Um, but I know it's there. I know it's there. So I know that all these promises about how great the earth is, (laughs) about how good your life's going to be here if only you buy this crap from plastic land. (laughs) Uh, I know who's selling that. It's not just men. It's not just men. I mean, you stop and think about, like, how all humans that we know about lived forever in history like without electricity or mostly plumbing at all, but electricity is kind of the big one. Without spirits that fly into your living room and settle in a box, carrying the wind from far, far afield, carrying news that you asked for not, telling you who you are and what you should be and you will do obeisance because it does make you think you have rested. I mean, don't tell me this ain't Alice in Modern Land. I mean, it is It is demonic. Uh, uh, does it mean that electricity is demonic or the demons? No, no, no. No, what I'm saying. So what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we live in an age that looks a lot like the end times. <laughs> not because, like, the monster drink has some Hebrew writing on it, which I've seen that video. Um, no, no. But, like, look how weird it's gotten. There's not a lot about this in the Bible. It, it, there's a lot about hearts growing cold, though. Hey, hey, notice the zombies recently? Notice the cold hearts. Notice the people who aren't people. Notice the people. Well, like me, frankly, with PTSD, who have been so traumatized that like they can't have a conversation with you, and you don't understand why they're so weird. And if you spend enough time with me closely, you know that. That's okay. It's okay. It's like it's better for me to know that now. Um, I knew it before. Now I know why. Now I can I can deal with it. That's a different story. Enough about me. (laughs) Enough about me. They are always uh, bigger than the guy who just died who was rich, right? They are always further ahead in their thinking because they've been here for much longer. And the modern man's just assumption that they aren't there at all is, ah, stunning. Stunning. And it's it's a tribute to the power of these signs and wonders that they have come up with. These amazing tools and machines, unheard of, magic in the hand. These signs and wonders that that are even able to deceive, it would seem, the elect. And that sounds familiar, I hope. (laughs) Huh. But then again, I'm not so happy to say it. What will they do when the tree is brown? I keep taking hope in that sentence. Still green out there right now, somewhere. <laughs> what will they do when the tree is brown? Oh man, we got great questions from you guys about this kind of eschatology. Uh, what, uh, Alice in Moderland end time speculation, tempered by the reality of the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and the fact that there's nothing new under the sun and most of what it's doing now is just a smokescreen. Most of what the modern world has done is based on a smokescreen, and it's been riding on the back of Christian ethics and and virtue for the entire time. So it's going to collapse, but it doesn't mean your neighborhood has to collapse. Just because DC gets itself turned into a violent thug fest doesn't mean you have to like live there in the midst of it, unless you want to go try to fix it, I guess. But like the idea is, where Christians are, even in DC, you can you can form pockets of love. You can form pockets of real people who actually try to talk to each other about how dangerous life is and and understand how hard the week was and and, uh, get reminded that Jesus is coming back and that he's got all of it under control. I know those places are hard to find. I know those places are hard to find I'm pretty sure the scripture has always said those places are going to be hard to find but you know Dr. Luther says some wise things once and one of them was, was that like uh, the word of God strengthened a civilization is like a rain shower that comes and it comes hard and then it goes away and, and so you can see that throughout history there are times of rising reformation times of rising interest and zeal for the scriptures and times of petering off but then again all these histories are met by the people who, <laughs> who come after and many of them are, have been unbelievers so trying to read that too tightly is not something you want to do what you do want to not be surprised by is the dry season. Do not be surprised by the days of evil when they come. If you read Ecclesiastes, you'll see warnings about this. Uh, if you if you read uh, the pastoral epistles, you'll see warnings about this. Uh, don't be surprised by it. Don't su- be surprised when the persecution or fiery trial comes upon you, whatever that might be. And I would suggest again to you that, that those of us that are getting to wake up in America right now— <laughs> Oh man, mad Christianity, waking up in America. Those of us who are getting to wake up in America right now as Christians, there's a lot worse places the diaspora has asked us to be. I I think, I think. Now, okay, I I could be wrong. Maybe... Maybe mean old Joe Biden. He's just so strong and powerful that decrepit old man that can barely walk or think or talk. Maybe he and all his cronies that they're really coming for you. Maybe they've got it all planned and pretty soon all our properties gonna be gone. We'll be in the mines. Maybe, but I I don't think so. I I really just and I don't think China's like about ready to invade us. I think China's fracturing and buckling. As much as we are. I could be completely wrong about this, but it seems to me that they're needing to suppress so many people groups isn't like a sign of their strength, right? <laughs> it's a sign of the weakness of their ideology. And so, what, what the United States has just revealed is that we've given up what was a fairly strong ideology a while ago, though. Like, actually, they just didn't tell us. And, you know, generations later, like, oh, we didn't even do that? Okay, so we're waking up. But look, look what you have opportunity to do. You are in a builder's paradise, you are in a living Minecraft. I mean, you have to get a job, probably, in some way to get the things going, but maybe not. Not if you've got a family to help you get started. I mean, a lot of families don't even think about that these days. They're just busy shipping you off to the concentration camps. Um, they call those universities. They're they're fun. They're very expensive, though. Incredibly expensive. But um, in any case, yeah, try to find a faithful church there. It can be done. It can be done. Uh, it is not often done. Yeah. Uh, so in any case, in any case, I, just, I, I went way afield in all of that commentary. This morning, we are getting to your questions, Bible's answers, and my nonsense here on the Mad Christian Saturday Morning True, and I'm going to take a, a one-minute break and come back with that. that. That was about the lamest conclusion to the greatest opening ever. All right, all right, all right. Looking forward to what you got here. I got the lowdown from Frisbee the Hand. She gets the emails if you send them to revfist.com slash contact, I think that's what it's still at there, and she gets them, she reads them, she thinks smart things, she tells it all to me, and then puts it in these magical little things I can put on the screen, and I get to say to you what you wrote. Lizzie says this, How do you feel about Dave Ramsey? I feel that Dave Ramsey found a good thing and knew how to stick with it. That's that's what I feel about Dame, Dave Ramsey. He he figured that one out well. And if I had just copied and like made my own 20 years ago, holy moly. I mean, it sells. It's wise. What is he actually doing? He's just telling you, don't be in debt. Over and over and over again with a bunch of hacks and tricks and other things. But it's it's just, don't be in debt. If you're in debt, get out of debt. And to have a man out there doing that, I got no problem with that. To have him make money doing that, I was like, I get... My hat's off to you, Dave. My hat's off. And to love that, I could he... But I imagine he does love... We'll get to a question about this later. I imagine he does love seeing people's lives impacted for the better by this, by just helping them get black. And by black, I mean in the black as opposed to the red in these days of black and white and red and all these things. Green, yellow. Goodness. <laughs> I'm a white guy. Did you notice? It's kind of tough, actually. You guys don't like us. None of y'all. y'all. Y'all don't like us. And it's like, why? I was your friend. I passed you to basketball, man. We're on the same team. Why? <laughs> uh, how do I feel about Dave Ramsey? I'm glad that a man's out there speaking the truth of the natural law in the name of Jesus, mostly, right? Like, he's not really about the name of Jesus. It's not his gig, but he doesn't hide from the name of Jesus. So, like, Good on you, Dave. That's what I got. Now, do I actually implement Dave Ramsey in my congregation? No. Uh, I, I, I would need a particular kind of leader who just wants to do it and a particular time. And the last year and a half hasn't been the time for starting your gatherings, right? So, And I'm, I'm not really believing the whole Zoom. Let's do it on Zoom. Let's do it on Yeah, right. You have fun with that. I'll see you guys later. Uh, so, so uh, you know, but you can go to his website to listen to his podcast. Look, if you're in debt right now, if you're struggling to make a monthly budget, I should say, don't get out of debt. He also tells you, use a budget. Um, go to his site. Yeah. Make use of his basic resources. I would not follow his Christianity. I I don't need to, to, to learn what he teaches as well. So just, he's not going to come in and like give you Moloch on the altar or something. So uh, he's, he's fine. He's fine for what he is. Do I stamp him with my approval of all things? No, I, who could do that really? Um, uh, but do I use him? Do I recommend him? No, I I do find him a bit legalistic on a few issues. Um, and, uh, and, and just, since I'm a perfectionist and a bit of a jerk at that, I'd do it differently, right? So, like, that's that's me. But if you are in a situation where you are needing this, I mean, I, when I learned about Dave Ramsey, I'd been on a budget since I was 18 because I knew it was up to me, and and I knew that if I didn't make the ends meet, I was going to be in trouble. So, um, so I, I, I took heed, right? So, if you didn't take heed and you need Dave Ramsey, then get Dave, Dave Ramsey right now. If you're young, you don't need Dave Ramsey. Just just take heed. Take heed. Uh, read the Proverbs right now. Do that, okay? Uh, go to the Proverbs and just read them a bunch, and I think you'll be wise enough by the time you're 18 to not get a credit card and fill it up with a bunch of stuff you don't need. I, I think you will, right? Um, but that's what Dave's going to tell you if you go and do that. He's gonna, okay, you got to cut up the credit cards. you got to you know, not spend money you don't have. Don't live as if you can do something tomorrow. Live today. And, I mean, that's good Christian advice, right? So, um, yeah, by all means. How do I feel with Dave Ramsey? I, I feel too much, probably. I feel, it, it, he's, he's fine enough, and he doesn't need that much of my emotion. <laughs> oh, my life. Uh, Carson says this. Carson says this. Pastor Fisk. You often speak about how we in modern Western world take drastic measures to extend our lives even by a few years, while there are some cases in which people go to extremes. Is it bad to desire a long life? Extremes being like like uh, the singularity people, right? Like, we're going to be robots soon because we don't want to die. put my conscience in a bottle. Yeah. Um. Not me. I want my conscience to die. Can I tell you this right now? I'll tell you this right now. The, the most clear, the most crystal reality coming out of a diagnosis of CPTSD is that I now very much know how to look forward to my death. I know precisely, and with the, I don't have to be morose about it. I can actually be really like, you know, I've learned to live. It's like sin. I've learned to live with it. I can kind of smack that thing down a little bit, but I know I don't want my conscience in my brain in a bottle. No, 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 no. I want to die so this goes away. <laughs> and that I get to live past the, 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 the metaprogramming of the present age. Goodness, goodness gracious. Oh, if I can do a Scott, what else might I be able to do without so much performance anxiety? I'll you know? get to anyway, <laughs> uh, so, you. Anyway, know, so speaking of which, I'm like, I haven't gotten in- internal. I haven't gotten to his question yet. That's wrong. It's not wrong. Jonathan, Carson's question is very good, though. So I do care about it. Carson says, while there are some cases in which people go to extremes, is it bad to desire a long life? Is it bad to desire a long life? What's the boundary between escapism and trusting the Lord? Now, if you desire a long life in order to escape in it, from life, that would be the weird thing that most people are actually doing, right? Like, I want to have a long life sitting in a chair looking at a box about other people's lives. That is a strange thing to want. Just take the the Christianity out of it for a second, right? Forget sin, grace, Jesus, right? Just, Just... that's a strange thing to want. You're not even a battery. In the Matrix, you're like feeding the gods. Right here, you're just... <laughs> so, so what, what kind of long life are you wanting? I guess I would have to know before I could answer this question. Uh, is it, no, I don't think it's bad to desire life. I think Jesus is awesome because he is life and light and salvation, right? Right? And so when I say, like, I'm looking forward to my own death, it doesn't mean I'm not looking forward to life. I I will never die. That's what the Bible says. Yea, though I die, yet I shall live in the body of Christ, who is the to of the highest heaven. Unless he returns, and it's like, bam, and I get to stay here, but also be the body of Christ, because I already am by the sacrament. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So I long for that life, right? But does that mean one should hunger for more time in the veil of tears? I think that's maybe a good way to look at it, right? Should I want more thorns? I mean, if you're going to get to the other side of this question, at least see the balance of the two sides, right? Is it really is it really wise? Like, well, Jesus, since you say that today being with you in paradise is better by far than being here, but there are so many things here by which I might be tempted to fall away from you, I, I think I'd like to stay and enjoy that a bit more. Like, that's a weird prayer, right? That's a weird prayer. So... I, it's not, though, that, that desiring to see your son's sons. I mean, that's right there in the Psalms. You should be praying that. <laughs> Lord, may I see my son's sons. Why? To baptize them, to teach them of Jesus, to tell them it's bigger than one generation. That's why. It's better by far to remain than to part and be with Christ, not because it's better by far to be with Christ. Uh, let me say it again. It's better to remain, even though— I'm going to say it one more time— even though it is better by far to depart me with Christ, as Saint Paul says, I'm just trying to quote it. So, nonetheless, it is good to remain for others, and that's exactly what he says, right? So, for your sake, I remain. Whoever that means, right? And you should you should take that to the bank for yourself. I, I've dealt with enough besides my own grandma, right? Enough elderly people. Why? Why this? Why that? Why can't I die? Because you're taking too many pills. That's why. If you take them, you'll die. You'll be normal, right? But I want to die. But I'm afraid to die. Anyway, I mean, that's the whole thing. But but they're sitting there and. <laughs> They're trying to stay alive longer in their pain out of fear. And I, I I don't know how to help you at that point. Like, what are you clinging to? Hey, hey, Jesus has you. Right? So that that idea is what you want like now, whoever you are. You don't have to be old and decrepit and like, oh, just wherever you are. Jesus has you. So, desire life... <laughs> it's not like a record to myself. Desire life today! Desire life today! Yesterday is of imminently more value than tomorrow. Maybe my statement wasn't wrong. Yesterday is of imminently more value than tomorrow, and yesterday is meant for the fire. How's that? That completes it. Yesterday is of imminently more value than tomorrow, and yesterday is meant for the fire. Ah, oh, I'll call that a biblical truth right there. Charge me. Charge it to my account. Now, is it wisdom? yes. So it doesn't mean like, don't pay your bills. <laughs> I just said, Dave Ramsey to tell you, you know, you got to make a plan. Do that, right? But do that knowing that yesterday is of eminently more value than tomorrow. And yesterday's meant for the fire. Right? This life is vanity at the end of it. Again, you read, read the Proverbs of Ecclesiastes, just to touch, just put them in your life. You'll find this and you'll find it's not so, it's not so bad to know this. You might struggle with, oh man, man what am I doing? Why am I wasting? What I, to, I repent, right? That, that could happen. Could you imagine you get in the Bible and like, and it, 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 in your life changes, could you imagine that? Well, again, we'll talk about that here in a moment. But it's a thing. So is it bad? No, I don't think it's bad to desire a long life. I think the question is, what are you desiring as the word life? Yeah. You hear that? May I have a long life? What do you mean by that? Like, like just a bunch of selfishness. Is that, is that what you're asking for? I mean, I don't think he's going to answer that with like a, yo, <laughs> uh, but if it means like to rejoice in his name as a son of of Adam, daughter of Eve, <laughs> the Thomas. Uh, to rejoice in the majesty of the Christ who is risen from the dead all the days of this life, knowing the goodness of the Lord that extended from history through it in spite of us to a better time for us. Like, what's wrong with more of that? It's a great grand ordeal, a quest, as it were, the kind of thing most of us are trying to escape into video games and movies and all that with, right? We want quests. We want challenge. We want to be able to feel like our life does mean something. You want know, you know what it means? It means you know, vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. To have a, a great life then is to love that and therefore love today and see that every single person that's not you is all you got. It's all you got that's good. And today, well, who are they? What do they need? Uh, how do they link up? How can you encourage them Uh, how can you be in their life with more of what the scriptures say or maybe you just need to be the one that is listening to them you know there's there's all sorts of that once you as you while we as he makes us church right makes us church where we are first in family and the home yeah all right so yeah i don't think it's bad to desire a long life the boundary between escapism trusting jesus yeah Well, i mean escapism is the problem you should not be wanting to escape except for jesus return right But if you make a law about that, you'll condemn yourself out of the church with it. So, like, don't turn that into your test for your fruit. But do realize that uh, those things which you would look to for escape, uh, they're a sign (laughs) of your discontent. And why is that? And so, if the ninth, tenth, whatever commandments are against coveting, and these escaping things are a sign of your coveting, Does feeding your coveting really encourage the growth of your spirit and heart with the actual people on the ground, around you? Mm, Probably not. Yeah, probably not. So that's kind of where I'd be on that one. Um, But I do believe very firmly that people need time, time alone, uh, time to rest. Rest is different than escape. Isn't it interesting how the language has devolved underneath our feet? Andrew says this. Hi, Pastor. Kind of big, so I'm trying to make I can see it. Make I can see it. Uh I was hoping you could provide some clarification for me in an old WeTV T V video Oh this one's deep. This is this is theological jujitsu here. in an old WeTV video We T V video, you said that those who rejected the Word did so because they were destined by themselves to do so. Um yeah, probably said it just like that. Uh it makes sense that this would apply to those who were of faith and fell away, like the parable of the source suggests, but if we are dead in our trespasses before hearing the word, then they could not reject it unless they were to bring them back and then they turn away for how could a dead man reject anything unless he were brought back to life to do so? Right. So, because your assumption about the individual choice is the imposition of a made-up mythology called modernism that tells all sorts of things about humans that aren't true or possible. And most Christians have just not bothered to like, strain that stuff out. And it's probably been Okay in terms of that Christianity's made it this far, but this is the very kind of question that's going away. <laughs> uh, because it tries to split the hair. You're trying to split the hair of your own salvation by Jesus without reason. Like, he doesn't have reason to save you, and he's saving you, and you're trying to split that hair to make yourself feel better about it because you want to understand it, but that's actually to try to have him not save you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the whole, like, zeitgeist has been like, yeah, let's get this answer! And like, the whole zeitgeist now is like, we got no answers. There's no answers, only despair. It's all falling apart. So, uh, this is therefore, so think of this, And what I'm saying is this is a modern question that tries to inject too many assumptions into the human condition or psyche and then ask what the Bible means on the basis of those made up ideas. So, if you can believe that a man born Fifty generations of Adam chose himself fully in Adam, and therefore destined himself from his birth to be damned. Well, you don't have a problem with this at all. You just you just can't handle the idea of original sin. Basically, you just can't handle it. Ah, oh, original sin! I gotta have some chance. I got. I, it has to be able to let me have a chance. It's just more Reformation. It's just more law gospel. It's just more of the everlasting assault against Jesus being the deliverer, you know? And so you're trying to you're trying to understand it some way rather than just see that those who are destined for destruction, the sons of wrath born of this age, right? Uh, and with, without Christ from start to grave, fewer and fewer, I right, would gander these days have had that opportunity, but maybe not, maybe not, I don't know. Um, it's, it depends on where you are too, right? That zombie group destines themselves by themselves as themselves from conception to hell. It's generational, not regenerational, right? But like generational, <laughs> uh, and it solves your problem here, right? And so, so, so predestination is God saving you, God electing you, and planning to do this and saying all those who have not come, they have rejected me. And you're just like, but I have to believe that you did it for me. Yep, you're right. I did it for you. I made you accept me. But then why? You don't get to ask why, Clay. I love you is why, my son. Right? So, you see that? Like, I'm not going dogmatics with you here because this is where dogmatics isn't going to help us. Dogmatics is really good you got to make a legal case. But when you're dealing with your heart, mm, it's kind of got to get more on the ground. And these the questions from far away, the narrow splicing is its own form of escapism. It's, it's like, it's and you're, 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 I know what this is like though too. You, you, you find that the knowledge gives you relief and so you think more knowledge, more relief. And that's not true. It's just kind of the fact. What, what gives you relief is the grace of the Holy Spirit and he does this in the words of Scripture. But you can't you can't manage that. You can't control that. The wind is going to blow where he pleases to blow, but we do know how he blows, and that's according to the words of the scriptures. Uh, so in that case, when we get cordoned off into arguments about splitting hairs that are really about historically uh, political environments at the end of the day. I mean, a lot of times what this is about is money and princes, money and princes, not always and not at every level, but always somewhere in the situation. And so it's hard to just go back. Well, they were just Christians debating it. No, no, they were not. (laughs) No, they were not. And neither neither are we, in a sense. Um, What we are is caught up trying to live stories that are not today. And we live in an age where there's enough flashing of those stories that we're like, I'll grab, this one, I'll grab this one, I'll grab this one, I'll grab this one, I'll grab this one. And what you come to is a place where you can't just be satisfied. Particularly with the fact that he just says it. They destined themselves to destruction. Okay. I mean, why, why can't we just say, okay? I don't know. I mean, you got to do that with descending to hell a little bit. You really do. I'm not going to answer that one right now. I'll make you right in. <laughs> But I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to believe it. It doesn't have enough in scripture to have you understand it. There's not enough there. I like, can kind of like, oh maybe, oh, maybe. And then there's some people who fought about it, like this, that, this, that. And bro, oh, we hate each other. Like there's like three verses and they don't make sense. So like he descended into hell. It's part of the, it's part of the creed. The ancient church always believed this. We know it's a conquering event. I answered it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so Andrew uh, goes on and says this, now, here, here's where we get deep. Though. I don't know that I can even, I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure I'm either incorrectly overthinking this, so I'm just gonna say, yeah, dude, slow down. <laughs> I think you're probably coming up with something really clever, but like, you just you don't know, you don't have to. You know, cleverness is not really what we're called to. Um, it's it's a gift to have wisdom. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, would it be correct a correct understanding to say that whenever the word is preached, those who hear are always being worked upon by the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yet the one who remains in unbelief denies him through an act of the will. No, by being a will that is set against him. Stop thinking that the will is an act. You're the will. And the one who believes has been able to do so by the predestination of the father, yes. For the sake of his son, yes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, yes. So uh, let's go back to the one I disagree with. Uh, so yet the one who remains in unbelief denies him as a fallen will. Yeah, that's what I would say. So, And, and that fallen will destines itself to destruction daily by everything it thinks, says, does. That made sense, right? Yeah, I think it did. All right, cool. Judith. Judith, Judith. Says this. Dear Pastor Fisk. Times. I'm going to need a little break here. No, I got plenty. Of time. Uh, I've come. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Just just because I didn't remember soon enough the joy that exists in this reality. Um, stick with me here. You're going you're gonna to maybe like this. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet, right? We'll, we'll, we'll throw that up here again, probably this morning. That was put together, and the store is being put together by uh, by our good Frisbee the Hand, which uh, all proceeds from the Mad Christian store will go to—I'm just going to say it—Frisbee the Hand, uh, for the work that she does on Mad Mondays. If you read Mad Mondays, let me tell you, let me tell you, you read it because of Frisbee the Hand. I'm there at the top with a couple poetic sentences about my poor consternations and stuff, and then I remember Jesus. Uh, and that's that's good. But then the news, you want the news? You want to know what's going on in the crazy, crazy world? Uh, Frisbee has, has pulled it together week after week. And so it is the way for you as a Christian to literally unplug from the world and still know exactly what's going on. And you'll see what a circus it is. And you'll actually be able to be like, okay, I don't have to worry about any of this. This is all just way over there. All right, then. Yeah. Mad Christian Mondays. You can sign up at... Redfist.com Go to newsletter Newsletter At redfist.com I have I have been contemplating A change to that Going to, to mad Christian But I don't know blah, 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 blah. Too much I, uh, It makes me sick Just to think about the internet I, I have not become a monk But I kind of have I kind of have I'm looking for Here's what I'm looking for That button There we go Juice says this <laughs> Buy that monk part Just um I can't tell you The more I The more I untether The more I'm glad To be untethered Yeah 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 even, it's the first time, probably ever, that I've really sat and just listened to birds. <laughs> Weird old man. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of, it's kind of restful. Uh, so, uh, dear Pastor says, Judith, I have come out of the church body who believe that sacred depictions in the cross and crucifixes are... Right there. Idolatry. Bring it. This is, This is why, if you join the Sons of Solomon, we say you have to... Be willing to wear one of these because if you don't, then you're gonna split the group by saying that we're all idolaters. <laughs> so you gotta wear one of these because this is not idolatry. Um what it is is a focus to remind you of what Jesus did for you. A prayer focus, you might call it. And if you have any geek in you, yeah, really, a prayer focus. Anyway, so part of the explanation that we can't have this as an idol is because or we can't have it because it is an idol, is because this is the Seventh-day Adventist, by the way, uh, is because uh, the crucifixes depict Jesus in a helpless position, as do the nativity scenes. If you had any thoughts on this, they would be appreciated, particularly whether crosses or crucifixes are preferred. Crucifixes, absolutely preferred. Constantly. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Absolutely. Um, Because it makes people mad. (laughs) Because they can't take it. And that, that tells you all you need to know. They... They don't like crucifixes. They don't like crucifixes. Yeah, wink, wink, hello, hello. They don't like crucifixes. So, they're really important. You want to drive that stuff away, man? <sighs> Ponder a crucifix for a while. Find the darkness. It'll attack you. Get in the Psalms. Don't pray to the crucifix. Let the crucifix make you go back to the psalms. It's a powerful thing that's prayer, folks. Anyway, so... Uh, so I want to talk about this position of helplessness, though. So the argument here is that and not you know it's, and not that it's just idolatry, but now the problem is this is the wrong Jesus, right? Hey y'all, y'all with that crucified Christ that Paul was preaching, he the wrong Jesus. Y'all need the right Jesus, who ain't crucified no more, y'all you know, on the cross no more. There was a um, there was a little debate. I didn't see it. I heard about it in the Sons of Solomon Discord chat at the Mad Christian Discord. You can find that. Search for us the Chill. Uh, there's a little debate about, I mean, during He is Risen season, Easter, right? Hallelujah, He is Risen. Uh, can I can I have a crucifix and say He is Risen? <laughs> I mean, was there one in the building? Uh, d- d- is there one on your pastor's chest? Uh, yes. No, you should not wear a cross during Easter and a crucifix other times. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> it is precisely from this that He is Risen. Let me, let me suggest this. Christus Victor is a puppet. It is a puppet. Christus' victim is the king. He's crowned. He's reigning. That is not a position of helplessness, except for in the eyes of fallen men. That is a position of ultimate, triumphant victory. We have to hear about it in different terms. Okay, so at that moment, the archangel Michael, by the power of the blood of Jesus, is shoving a spear through the face of the dragon. And he's binding him with a wound in which he lives, and yet will be bound forever. And by this, purchase, price, destruction, overthrow brings you out of this morass and chaos and death into the body of Christ. You take them off the cross, it's not when that's happening. Right? Like that, that's worth thinking about. The crucifix is you. The crucifix is your hate for Jesus. And the more you remember that, the more you can know His love. You want to act on it. You want to repent of it. You want to dig it out of your life. That's something in my mouth. I've got hair. You want to dig it out of your life. But that's what you did to him. Empty cross, that's not what you did to him. But this is what he did for you. Empty cross, it's not what he did for you. Empty tomb he did for you. He did do empty cross for you. Everybody has an empty cross. Everybody comes off the cross. What is that? What's a cross? I mean, I'm not saying crosses are bad, but like really, the movement against this, it's just, it's just insane. It's mad. It's mad. Uh, it's just it's just arrogant madness. And, and particularly coming from where you're coming from, Judith. I mean, oh, you know, that group, <laughs> they got a few things going on, yeah? Um, the helplessness of Jesus. Let's go back to that one more time. I already said he wasn't helpless on the cross, right? But then remember this too. I mean, look at it. This is the ultimate submission to the Father, right? Huh? Weakness is better than strength when the weakness is the weakness of God. Christ's ability to submit to evil men and the inspiring reality of his regeneration of you to also enact that tactfully in the real world, not unto your or your neighbor's destruction, but for the good of those around you as a man, uh, as a woman. (laughs) Uh, that, That is something to pray for, to hunger for, to search for, and to believe firmly in. And again, the crucifix is the reminder of this. It is the focal point of this. It is when it all went down. So, I mean, if you're like, I love Jesus, but I don't really care about like that major thing he did. as like all the other stuff. I'm, I'm happy to forget about the major thing because he did it and he saved me and so it's all done. Like, okay, dude, I didn't sound like you get it to me. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you I mean, I'm pretty sure you still say that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like you're in that like like the fire is gonna burn up most what you say and do. Group of people, right? And I don't think you can really make yourself get into the higher group of people. It's it's really just about again whether your life is built on the word of God or not. So so if you have the word of God in your life, like on your wall and in your conversation, like there's gold there. And, and if you don't, and it's a bunch of other stuff about you know the Nephilim. No, the Nephilim. The Bible. The Bible. Uh, Gondor. Uh, you know. Well, then that's that's fire. It's it's fire. It's meant for the fire. I mean, it's nice. Flowers are nice. We can eat the food. Right. But but not the same as your religion, not to be even close. Right. So I'm um, not that I'm saying any of this to you, Judith, uh, but I, I can just tell you that the reason crucifixes are preferred now is because people say you can't have them and be a Christian. So now it's kind of like, oh, goodness gracious, see what you did you made circumcision a requirement for salvation. I now have to just kind of ignore everything you say about that, at least, because you're a scoffer. Yeah, so, hey, whatever. Um. Yeah, I mean, you're not, but you are, and you won't know it because you're just chasing your own ego. Ah. You're trying to have your foot in the door of your own salvation. Ah. No, I'm not. I just I just believe the second commandment. Okay, dude. Okay, well, then we disagree. Cool. Like, let's shake hands and not have communion. Okay, cool. You know? Um. So there's my answer, Judith. There's... <sighs> I'm sorry. I feel like a jerk after that one. I never know. I never know how you're going to take it because you're all different and like there's many of you who watch and you all think I'm talking to just you. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of crazy. Um, TV is crazy. It's 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 stupid, actually. Tell us. Vision is a bad word. Look it up. Um, Amber says this. What are we doing for time here? I'm, I am going to take a small break. Uh, right now, actually, we'll come back with Amber's question because especially she said respectfully. Respectfully. I like that. Um, we'll be right back. All right, so don't get me wrong. Crosses are fine on the outside of a building. Sometimes it's a lot easier than the crucifix. Although it's always about where you're willing to put your money, ain't it? Now, so that does have a lot to do with it. I, there's a couple other comments here that uh, I want to I want to throw in. Um, the one about uh, cafe again says probably no crucifixes at a Lifeway bookstore, and it reminds me of a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Pastor Rebal is, is a man in the LCMS uh, who uh, on his vicarage. As he told it to me once, uh, you know they they had a Christian bookstore and then the Texas town he was in and they went in and uh, uh, you know he's looking at this wall of crosses and he, and he, he's kind of like looking at this looking at that and they're not all empty they're not all empty uh, none of them have Jesus though there's fish there's children and then there was a cowboy hat and he says you know. That was the day I realized that an evangelical Christian would put anything on the cross except Jesus. <laughs> except Jesus. And again, that, that should maybe kind of give you a, a smell of the direction the wind blows, right? On that. Like, there's something weird there. That's, that's upside down, people. That's upside down. We go the other direction, might be better. Um, but uh, yeah, this one, too, is a good old story. So uh, Matt T says I've heard some say that wearing a crucifix is too Catholic. God forbid you agree, to thing, agree on anything with the Papists. Yeah, T.F.W. Walther, father of the LCMS, uh, a man of many talents and also some psychosis. Uh, He is uh, well remembered for saying that if we must give up a crucifix because the papists use it, then we can't read the Bible either because they have that too. And I thought, you know, that guy's wise. That's what I thought. Amber says this, as a young woman, I struggle with the idea of being mother. Hmm, that's a good question. Thinking about being pregnant, giving birth, and raising children terrifies me, and I often find myself doubting whether I have what it takes to be a good mother. I've been told that it is God's will for his followers to be fruitful and multiply, and that I am not being a faithful woman if of God if I choose not to have children. I'm wondering if you have any advice or pieces of scripture that may help me with my anxiety and if you have any thoughts on women who choose not to have children. I appreciate any insight you have. Uh, Psalm 127, 128. Hands down. And you might as well just throw 125 in there for fun. Like 125, 127, 128, in that order daily. That is your prescription from me. So please, um, on the Day of Judgment, I'd like to see you go like, like high five that, right? Like that'd be awesome. Okay? So 125, 127, 128, in that order every day for you. Okay? So uh, with that said, From those texts, my thoughts on women who choose not to have children is that they don't believe what the Bible says about who they are. They don't know who they are. They kind of hate who they are. And so they don't want anymore, right? Like, they'd rather not pass forward who they are. I think there's a deep pain there. And I think anytime you're going to try to medicate a deep pain... Trying to heal the soul. got to be careful. No. Nah. Those are my thoughts on women who choose not to have children. My feelings are mostly sadness. Mostly sadness. I would have liked a brother or five. More than one sister. I've been great too. I'm sad because of what my mother chose. know i i think it was a bad choice i think it was nearsighted foolish even i love her though she's a christian uh she reminded me to listen to the birds just today so uh i think that the culture the society the people the tribe that is filled with women who believe that the most valuable thing they can do for a man is something they never want to do. I think they will have a hard time finding contentment in this life. You can't take anything with you. Except them. Isn't it funny how many people choose not to? Yeah. I'm not saying that you're you're the only thing. I'm not saying Job's kids were all faithful. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know <laughs> is that... Uh, I, you, you know what i said i have a friend who is curious about the book of Enoch says Amos are the nephilim alien life forms please direct me to more information regarding this well you're welcome Amos yeah i, I you know what i can't <laughs> i there i don't know where there's good information on the nephilim uh where would i dig uh, maybe Kyle actually i i'm I almost guarantee you Kyle and dalich's commentary uh search for his k k e i l and D-E-I-L-I-T-Z-C-H something like that Old Testament commentary like put that in spell it wrong it should still show up it's totally free um, uh, in, in like a digital form and then go find Genesis what is it 6 um, and uh, and and look in there I, I, I would almost bet they'll say what I'm going to say which is that uh, the Nephilim are just the warriors uh, or the, the warlords who are coming about to, to reign on the earth over all men, after the segregation of the two first civilizations had kept apart the sons of Adam and Seth from the sons of Cain, right? And that as they came back together, as as they intermarried with each other, uh, warfare and or gladiator performances, uh, who knows what they were doing? Is pre is pre Cambrian, pre Cambrian, pre deluvian. It was, it was, it was pre- same thing probably. It had pre It was a pre deluvian world. And, uh, but what it is not is aliens. No, and I, and I really do not believe it is demons in human form. They wouldn't have made it through the flood, I guess, and maybe that's what, but then you're just making stuff up, okay? So at, at that point, you're just making stuff up. You gotta go from what the Bible actually says. Okay, And what the Bible actually says that makes a lot of sense is that people have always believed in Jesus. There has always been a people that are the church, the ark, the ship, the truth seekers, the peacemakers, the ones born from above who have lived through all generations according to the promises that Christ would come. He has come. He's risen. Did you know that? You're paid for all this. That reality was there back then too, and that's the only reality the Bible cares to tell you about. It doesn't want to tell you about anything else. It's not... Giving you random commentary is talking about the lineage of Jesus, the meaning and history of his story, and then what it means now that it has happened. And so that section, super early. I mean, Genesis 1 through 10, Genesis period, this is Torah. This is like like the high-end God's word, never going to change, holds so much of what you need. All Christians can live just from this if they know who Jesus is. If you know who Jesus is, you have the Creed, Commandments, and the Lord's Prayer, so you could dig into just Genesis the rest of your life and be a Christian when you come out because you know that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? And that's what it did for them back then. So there's sufficiency of spirit in these texts, and the way you find it is the common thread of the story that is summarized, not summarized, telos (laughs) televised, in fact, uh, by everyone who watched it, in the man Jesus Christ, right, with his his death over the earth. So, the Nephilim are not aliens, they're not mutants. I mean, on Judgment Day, maybe I'll get a pat on the wrist for being wrong, but I, I really... Really? Panspermia, people. Panspermia. That's all I got on that. Okay. So, um, Theo. Theo says this. <laughs> <laughs> Theo says, pacifist. would you please take a minute to get yourself a drink of water? And if you would eventually remember where you put... That's oh, very convenient where I put it. Where you put the one-minute timer so you could talk to the camera while you do it, that would be even better. I'll be right back. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah, Theo says this. Thank you for being such a powerful voice for the gospel. <laughs> that means a lot. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you for being such a powerful voice for the gospel. Yes, I'm aware of law and gospel, but it's all good news when preached correctly as you do. Your ministry has made such a wonderful difference in my life. Yeah, yeah, Lord, I love your law, right? Yeah, even though you slay me, you will know, praise him. I recently overheard a conservative, fundamentalist, evangelical person say... <laughs> it's fun. Uh, if only i were younger i'd go and join hillsong less fun i do love to see lives change here's the topic right Uh, this kind of rocked me and i wonder if you have any thoughts regarding for me i'm not sure if visibly changed lives is what it's all about and that's what it's all about what's that from what's that from that's like a childhood memory from what you and pastor wolfmuller say it seems more about forgiveness of sins than a triumphalistic glowing perfection prosperous life from your teaching, our sinful nature is war against the Spirit until the second coming. Yes and amen. Uh, I could be wrong about this and critical, unnecessarily critical, though. Um, no, no, Theo, I, I think you're right and wrong at the same time. So I'm going to say that the lives that are changing at Hillsong, I just don't even know. I got no, no idea. Judgment Day will reveal all, and their practice does not confess what the Bible says very clearly. Well, so Judgment Day seems like maybe there'll be some surprises ring around Hillsong and all this. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, they teach really awful stuff that I don't pay attention to anymore. If you want to like the, the lowdown on Hillsong badness, you know who the pirate Christian is, right? I mean, I, I'm mad. I'm crazy, but I ain't going on the water. No way. That people die out there with the, the the squid and stuff. So, um, the pirate Christian, met uh, uh, pirate Christian radio, Chris Roseboro, uh, do a little Google search for him, pirate Christian radio, Hillsong or, or fighting for the faith, pirate Christian Hillsong, something like that. And you will have your fair share of why you should not, you need not ever go near anything from this place called Hillsong. It is, it is, it is an abomination of many strange and varied spirits. Um, and so I'd really recommend staying away from it. Um, Uh, So, but now that said, uh, you know, the idea of lives changed in this, uh, you have a very narrow definition of that concept. Did you notice that? Did you notice how a changed life as you defined it meant money, right? Where where did it go? I'm losing it now. Uh, Prosperous life, triumphalistic, glowing, perfect. I'm just going to suggest like there's more kinds of life change than that. Like, there's other ways to have your life get better than, than any of that. Uh, there's other ways to have your life repent than any of that. And so, when you hear uh, popular Christianity, mainline nonsense, talking about life change, and we hear the historic Baptist approach to that, it's pretty legalistic, frankly. Like, you should rightly kind of like, oh, that makes my hurt, hurt heart hurt a little bit, like I'm shivering and stuff, right? Like, don't talk that way, right? But, but if you go to a church where no one's life changes because they're a Christian and they act just like everybody else, you don't go to a church. <laughs> just, I mean, the word in sacrament might be present. Jesus might be feeding like five people there underneath all of it. Right. But like, like you're not really getting fed. Yeah. So, uh, your life should change when you become a Christian. It should be different than when you're not a Christian. And it's, it's better. It's like so much better. It's like a million worlds better. It's not necessarily financially prosperous. It, it, it doesn't mean that every day glows like unicorns. Uh, it certainly is not perfect as we see it. No, <laughs> it is as it is prayed. As it is preached, as it is believed. So, you know, it is not triumphalistic in the flesh. But you're more than conquerors. I call that triumph. So, so, and, and the more my head's pulled out of the Matrix, the more the white noise gets shut off, the more I am untethered from the meta narrative of nonsense that I've bought since I walked into Return of the Jedi when I was three. Scarred me for life, too. Not kidding. <laughs> I, mean, I was already scarred. But anyway, uh, you know, since then, all that nonsense... All those stories, what have they done to people's lives in America? How have lives changed in America? And then when you look at the lives in America that are, well, self-medicating on everything, from popsicles, we force feed the kids until they're addicted, then we keep them addicted, and from popsicles to the narcotics we're getting prescribed. I think Christianity should come into that world. I don't think it should. I think it does come into that world and it makes it better. It doesn't make it go away. See, life change doesn't make your life go away. It doesn't make your your flesh go away. But it makes you better. It makes you better at despising your flesh, honestly. And it's not so much that that old man's never with you. It's more that you don't know, want to keep that old boy under control and wait for the day of judgment, knowing that you're covered. You're covered, so let's try to cover some others if we can. You know what I'm saying? Cheers. Hear, here. <laughs> yeah, so um a changed life, man. Uh your life should change every day. Every day you wake up and you don't know you're a Christian until you remember. Now you are, you're a Christian, but like your faith is not being able to be fed by that because you're just kind of wandering. And so the spirit interceding for you, but you're not praying with your mind, right? So the moment that you would say, see a crucifix on the wall or a Psalm verse on the wall or open your Bible or say the creed. Now you have remembered who you are. Your life's better. <laughs> your life's immediately better than people who are out there. Like, uh, uh, what can I get to stop the pain? Give me some of this and that and anything I can have. Right. Um, I, I mean, you hear what I'm saying. Mm. Sorry, I try not to do that on the... You guys whine when I drink on the show. I I don't like my own perfectionism. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, Theo, thank you for the question. Emma, poof, says this. I have a hard time with relationships. Emma, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's pretty common. So just don't feel too alone. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you can't have it. I grew up Lutheran, homeschooled with seven siblings. My mom's needs were put first. She was the main caregiver. So, yeah. So what you're saying there is similar to any type of childhood trauma, which generally means, uh, if not abuse from a, like the world would see it, be like, that's abuse, right? Like, we all know what that is. But, like, there's a way you can abuse a child's psyche simply by ignoring the child or by keeping the child quiet at all costs. And doing this uh, for any reason, such as your own needs, right, uh, whatever they may be, will ultimately scar the child's ability to grow functionally well as a psyche, uh, as, a, as a soul. Uh, so, um, yeah, I hear you, Emma. Like, there's, We're on the same team here, right? So uh, when my parents divorced, we were put in school. Uh, not just a culture shock, but humiliating because I could barely read at 14. That led to a strained relationship with my pastor because I was bad at confirmation. So you know what happens, it sounds like what happened to you then is a unstable scenario in which you were unable to develop a secure feeling of uh, existence in the world. Then as you ran into the real world, fully unprepared to exist in it, you were uh, met by failure after failure that crushed you and uh, spiraled you into a system of believing certain things and ways about yourself, which you probably self-perpetuate at some point now really. Like you're, you have like a a salvation life, not Jesus is different. It's like on the ground here where you're thinking, Oh, this, that, and then, and it's a, it's a way to try to escape this. Um, And most of us do this on some level. So what I'm saying here can apply, I think to almost any human, you don't have to have, you know, deep pain on this, but you, you can, I think you can apply this. in any case, you know, you, you had what was bad get worse, right? Uh, so, uh, Emma says this, I struggle with masturbation until up to my twenties realizing how it was a way to fill my, a way to fill a gap in my life. So sexual addiction, right? Um, sexual addiction is just one form of medication. Medication is something you take to stop something you don't want going on in your body (laughs) a headache right uh uh, not waking up fast enough um hunger i'd even call food medicine it really is uh the east knows this why doesn't the west because i don't know we're head nuggets i don't know um so anyway so you found out that sex is good medicine the show's not for kids Uh, you found out that sex is good medicine marriage is great medicine sex within marriage is amazing medicine and then you found out that you could get that medicine in a bad way and you began to use it to heal something that it could not heal, right? So in this, I want to alleviate your personal convictions about your sexual addiction as being worse than other people's sins, but also not alleviate your knowledge that it isn't a good thing, right? It isn't a good thing and you don't want to do it. So I'm, I'm thankful for what you say next because that's good. But there's a lot of people out there struggling with this. So I'm, I'm even not really talking to you. I'm talking to all the other people out there that are like, porn, ah, it's on me, ah, okay, okay, okay. Sexual addiction is just one more form. Of self-medication trying to escape the pain and we're all doing we're all life is filled with us trying to escape the pain and in some ways we do it so much we miss each other we harm each other that's the things that are destructive right those, those things are destructive and we can say from christianity that sex outside of marriage including masturbation is destructive or right? it doesn't help the soul or the conscience and yet you found you were trying you're trying to get any medicine you could i get that i fully get that at 23 I still have never dated Am two people pleasing and fake in a sense. Uh, they, uh, I want to say more about that, but I don't want you to feel condemned by any of this. Um, what you, what you're finding is your fear, right? Your fear now of being a person is too much to come up with. You kind of know you don't have a, a personhood, right? Or a strong one at least. And so rather than go and engage where you're going to lose, you just know you're going to lose the way you read it it doesn't matter if it's true or not objectively you just know you're going to lose in your heart so you build all these walls to try to protect that again the problem is always that these walls don't work they don't grieve the pain which is what must happen you, you must grieve you must grieve over what happened in your past uh, you gave the story it is evidently unfortunate in fact even heartless and cruel right now does that mean that your parents knew that or meant that no no it's quite possible that many people get traumatized as kids in this society right now without the parents having any clue because a lot of the advice in this society is hey guys traumatize your kids send them away every day at age four and make them wear masks in small rooms with people who yell at them when they don't like that's gonna go well guys no that's not gonna go well guys so it's not like 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 there isn't trauma in the world for no good reason it it is I think American society is, just, is rife with various forms of it. What does that mean, right? Well, <laughs> it means we all have to find ways to engage our pain and realize first that means we're probably self-medicating in some way. Everybody, everybody, you are. Why you drink the coffee? Don't tell me. It's just because you like it. <laughs> I'm with you. I think there's such a thing as good medicine. I think you can self-medicate with coffee and it's okay. Right? So I, don't, don't hear that as all shame talk. Instead, recognize that the medicine's in the dose, right? So when you uh, a poison is a poison because you take too much of it, uh, and sometimes something you like is a poison if you take too much of it. You know, nutmeg, nutmeg is like really bad for you. You know that? Like, look that one up. That's some scary stuff. They put that in your drink, man. That's that's scary. But it's the, it's the dosage. It's the dosage. You got a liver, maybe. It's hard to know in a sugar diet. But hey, 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 I'm I'm way off. I'm way off. You're dealing with the fear again. And the fear of being fake. So, all right, Emma, let me recommend you pick up a book called Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder from Surviving to Thriving by Peter Walker. You might find it illuminating. I'd quickly turn to the 13 points about Flashback. He mentions that very early. Read through that and find the chapter on the critic pretty quick. Um, I am not a doctor, nor can I diagnose you. I just have a hunch you might like that book. Uh, being fake or believing you are fake, feeling fake is a, um, one of the key factors or key signs of complex post-traumatic stress. So, uh, not believing you really are who you've been feeling like you've always put on a show and you just got to kind of keep it going and it's going to fall apart any minute. Um, that is one of the factors. Okay. There are many, it's complex, complex post-traumatic stress, by the way, complex, <laughs> it's complex, uh, which is why you can be high functioning in it. Ultimately, uh, uh, already probably. And, uh, if not certainly can be, uh, so the relationship with your dad is better now. And says my mom and I have not talked in many months. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. Uh, it's not just her second divorce and her unchastity with the man she moved in with. I mean, it's really understandable. Uh, but I feel like it affects my own relationships. Correct the hard question in a world in which you can keep in touch with everybody ever and they're all trying to keep in touch with you so they can make some money on you. Who do you have a right to never talk to again? (laughs) And um, I'm just going to suggest that the sons of Korah didn't break the fourth commandment when they stepped away from their father before the earth swallowed him. And so, Emma, if in order to love those you can, you have to stay away from the one who's taught you to hate yourself and will still do so, you got to remove the false teacher. That's what you got to do. And don't you worry a whit about Judgment Day. Let the one that be on my conscience. I'll stand there. And actually, no, I won't. Jesus will. So, you're good. You're good to go. All right. Get that book. Get that book. Oh, well, we got some time here. 10.22, lots of time to go. Um, I hate to give you another commercial, uh, but I, I'm going to have to look. Oh, there's a super chat. Um, if you got some questions, start throwing them in there now or rip, uh, point to the ones from earlier in the show. i uh, got plenty of time. I thought, I thought all those questions would take much longer than they did. I could talk about that, that but never mind. <laughs> uh, super chat. Greg says, as you know, uh, thinking about people who look at the cross as idolatry is not that... Just denying the fact that we should be living a life of repentance as a Christian. I don't get the question, Greg. I'm sorry. Uh, You know thinking about people who look at the cross as a is not that. Just denying the fact that we should be living a life of repentance. Oh, maybe you're getting at this. So, like, yeah. So, the the crucifix kind of makes you repent. Like, you feel odd. I mean, you can get stronger. We kind of adore it, actually. But initially, it's like, oh. Oh, look at that. That's kind of mm. Oh, it's just not really. Oh. You know, and and so um that pain when you see the crucifix is your knowledge that you killed him. It's your knowledge of your shame. It's your knowledge of what you deserve. You may not be able to put it in those terms. It doesn't matter. It's feelings, it's not terms. It's not it's not in knowledge. It's, it's it's wisdom actually. Uh and it's it's deep, right? It's deep. And so what you're not liking is the need to repent. And then, what is amazing when I say you can adore the crucifix is not that you are actually, again, worshiping it. You adore the fact that it makes you repent. That when you look at it, you remember. Like that's 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 like my favorite thing. That's my favorite toy, right? Like that's that's adoration, right? Not not worship, but adoration. And uh, to to see that um, as good, right? This is this is well, why I'm talking about it. Why I'm talking about it. All right. Do 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 do. I am scrolling is the bottom for a question. Just right there. Thank you, Jordan, for the question. Uh what do you think about what Jordan Peterson said about Christians not living transformed lives in his interview with Jonathan Paige? I without the context being the Luddite that I am mm, the dehydrated Luddite that I am. <laughs> without the um the context, I don't want to be taken in any way as taking shots at these guys, okay? Like they're in a different world from me. But uh if Jordan Peterson, a guy who has some strong familiarity with the Bible, if not a Christian faith, and I don't know enough to know, and I, I think he doesn't, but, um, you know, certainly believes things in his books uh, that, that contradict Christian cosmology and uh, a salvation event that it doesn't sound like he says he believes in it from what I've read so far. But anyway, um, you know, but, but if, if he, who understands the Bible probably better than most, like 90% of Christians, probably, I mean, he's probably read it more than, than most people who say they're Christian. Um, and if he says like, you guys don't look like what that says, (laughs) he's probably right. And in Laodicea, my guess is like, no one listened to that kind of complaint, right? Or they got angry and said, shut that stuff down. We want to be like this. And, uh, I think if a, if a pagan tells you, I'm not sure you believe your religion. I think you should like gut check hard. (laughs) <laughs> and you know I've been trying to do this I think for years I really think American Christianity should gut check pretty hard and I, I'm getting harder on it on my, on my own end uh, I'm repenting more on my own end uh, not because I think it's going to get something uh, if anything it's going to like like lose a lot of stuff uh, but the the planet we're walking on is the same planet that Jesus and Chrysostom and like Anselm and you know Luther whoever like they live in a world before the ba nya, nya, nah, ba go, 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 bye, 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 store, 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 hoard, 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 fun, fun, fun. And I think if they just dropped into this, they would have just left. They'd be like, you guys are nuts. We're not, you can't live in this. And then we'd show them the Amish, they'd be like, oh, they don't, they don't, have, they don't believe that, man, you guys have a rough, what are you doing? And then they'd have to figure out that we live in a different time than them. But, <laughs> I think their initial insight, I got a little bug here their initial insight <laughs> would be that we live in great jeopardy. And we don't even know how lukewarm we are. We don't, we don't even know. Thank God when God died, He said, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's grace. That's grace. Um, and so again, so this goes back to that other question that we talked about earlier. So what what should a Christian transformed life look like? A little patience I, I was uh, I was pondering as I came across a proverb this week. Uh, you know, I do proverbs every week on Issues, Etc. You can check out Issues, Etc., Issues, Etc.org. Uh, talk Radio for the Christian Thinking. And again, Proverbs, a chapter every week with me, uh, usually on Wednesdays. So uh, I was looking at chapter 24, and I found a verse I really wish I'd had at the seminary. It said something like, Do not associate with those who promote change. And as we were debating, you know, getting rid of everything about what we look like and smell like and feel like as Lutheran worship and like putting in a completely different set of things that looks more like Hillsong, um, I wish I'd been able to just quote that and walk away more and not care that these guys are going to be like, yeah, he's a yeah, he thinks Jesus is yeah, yeah. like, it's my religion, man. It's in the Bible, man. <laughs> Whatever. And do not associate with those given a change. What an interesting thing. So let me suggest that the change most Christians need right now is to stop associating with the world that keeps telling them how much they need to change again for more money. (laughs) Uh, You hear me? Yeah, I I think so. So uh, a transformed life is going to be a quieter, more simple life. It's going to be a life that tries to untether. So you have eye contact with actual eyes instead of with something that they... Are sending you? Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's, it's all dystopic horror to me. Um, but it is the end of the world. It's been for a while. So if you haven't, you know, if my imagination isn't your cup of tea. That's fine. But, like, I don't think I'm not sniffing nothing. <laughs> I really don't. So uh, Transform Live would look like uh, you believe that what the Bible says a family should be is what a family is. And that would include, again, children. Generally, they're a gift from God. Always every time, even the third one, and the seventh, and if you can believe it, the 20th, I mean, I'm not saying you should aim for that, and I'm not, certainly not saying that you better do that or you're not a Christian woman. Um, I'm just saying you think that human wasn't worth it? Because you're a weird person if you think that human wasn't worth it. You are not Schindler. <laughs> and if you don't know who Schindler is, Schindler's List is a movie you should watch. Um, uh, Be Schindler as a Christian, let me tell you. Uh, if we could... If we could change lives. Yeah. So, but what you don't want to get into, and, and you know this, if you've been watching me long enough, fruit checking ain't a, ain't a cool thing. You don't want to live in the fruit checking land. You don't want to live where everyone's checking your fruit. My goodness. My. And so, so <laughs> you don't want to check my fruit. <laughs> the, um, uh, You don't want to be in a situation where every day you're asking, am I a Christian based on what I do? You want to live every day, declaring yourself to be a Christian based on what you pray for according to the Word of God that tells you pray for this, according to Jesus. And then walk out and be what those words say you're going to be as best as you can be until you find that you're not, and then repent and start again tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, uh, Repent and be forgiven, because what you're going to be is people who are not perfect, uh, uh, who are transformed to be okay not being perfect, to be transformed into not having to transform right now because the metamorphosis is just waiting and watching right now, not getting distracted by the stories and the myths and the, the tangents, and instead staying firm in the one history, the actual narrative, the one nation under God that is Israel. Shalom all Israel. Yeah? So, yeah, I, I, think, I think whatever Jordan said, he's probably right on that point. I don't know what Jonathan said in return or how he took it, but um, I repent. You want to join me? Yeah, do not feel that bad. Feels better than the idols do. Well, we got another question. Here we go. Cafe Solo with, I just got to say, Mom Monster, thank you for that. She did that. Pastor Fish. don't miss it. Like, oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. So uh, how, <laughs> uh, Cafe says, how should we best deal with family and friends who are Christians but prefer a church where they are not given God's gifts? but are rather given enthusiasm and mysticism and emotionalism. This would be three isms. What if they think enthusiasm and mysticism and emotionalism are God's gifts? And so you really got to know what those terms would mean. Hmm. And I think uh, you've got to know what God's gifts would mean. So this gets back to what's a changed life look like. And let me suggest to you a changed life looks like one in which every week you go before your God and your king and his ambassador and his ambassador who's appointed among you to stand there in his place. And, and, and you say, I know this week, if you were to judge me according to what I did, i burn. And in that place, the gift of God is to remind you that you're not going to because of Jesus. That you're not going to be judged based on what you do outside of Jesus. And that Jesus is enough. Jesus is sufficient. Yeah. Uh, the works of Jesus are bountiful and overflowing. Out of his heart, living water has come into the spirit of the sons of men. And this spirit has not departed, but possesses you, me, us, to believe these things. So that that's God's gifts, right? And so Lutherans call it word and sacrament, but we sound goofy and weird from another planet when we say that. I, I don't know I don't know how to say it right, just like I don't know how to say, I mean, I've written books about this, enthusiasm and mysticism, but like, when I'm talking to people, like here, like I can't bring those words up. <laughs> it's just, they it, it don't have time for that. I, I live, I love among the common, the common people here in, in Rockford. It's a good place. It's a good place. There's intellectuals here, but like, what they really need to know is that the body and blood of God's on the altar and it goes into your body and it's going to make you rise from the dead. So no matter how damned bad you are right now and i'm used that word biblically so youtube don't block me no matter how much you earn damnation you are being told one more time you're my child you're my brother and together we're gonna rise because i already have so a christian who prefers to go somewhere else isn't a christian eventually or their kids aren't you know I, I'm going to let the judgment day put like the needle in the pin or the the, the the pin in the point, right? I don't know where it happens to who. I don't want to know. But I know if you want something other than the sufficiency of Jesus, whatever that is, there's a whole book called Galatians written to tell you how you've left the church. Yeah. So it, how, what would enthusiasm be? It's, it's Ultimately, it's going to be chasing your heart, right? Uh, chasing your passions. And mysticism, I usually would mean by that to try to read the experiences of your life as God's will. Right, so, uh, apart from the Bible, with the Bible, like you're really not supposed to decide whether or not God loves you based on what happened today or yesterday. Or, or tomorrow. Right, you're supposed to decide God loves you based upon the fact that you're baptized into Christ. I mean, that thing happened, but that's the thing that matters. And that, that doesn't just happen once, but that is always a reminder, a reality. Yeah? Uh, that you are a person set apart, holy unto the Lord, uh, Nazaretic, even. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and then uh, emotionalism, Right? I mean, this would just be the worship of your emotions. I find it funny. Like, you're like, so emotionalism is bad. When you worship your emotions, this is not worshiping God. And then the peanut gallery goes, uh, you hate emotions. You are bad. And you're like, I think I'm talking to crazy people. I really do. All right. So, I mean, and honestly, like, know that when they say stuff like that. Like, zombie, like start saying it. Oh, sleepwalker. That's a good one right there. Sleepwalker. Um, Emotionalism. Sleepwalkers are definitely emotional. That's all they are. Most times they aren't thinking. Sometimes they're thinking and not emoting. So it goes both ways. But emotionalism. Worshiping what it feels. Oh, we visited the church. It did not feel right. Why? Oh, I don't know. It didn't feel right. Okay. Well, I mean, that's probably good for you. Kind of maybe. Like as a general rule of thumb about life. Like you walk into a situation. You're like, it doesn't feel right. Hmm. I'm going to go away. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I get that. But like, since you can't tell me why it doesn't feel right, I'm not sure you know whether or not it was a good church. Because frankly, the crucifix doesn't feel right. First time you look at it, you're like, ah, it hurts. So so like, it's the wrong stick to measure with, right? Um, Emotionalism, the worship of the emotion, the believing of the emotion over and above, anything over and above the actual revealed scriptures. Word of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another question. Cafe is on a roll with more, um, oh, what, Matt T's question. Hold on, cafe. Hey, you don't get it. She says, Matt T., where is it? Can I, can I hit this and go there? No, YouTube isn't that cool. Got to find Matt T. Is that right here? There it is. Thank you, Mom Monster. Uh, I want to know why we, try again, Jonathan. I want to know why do we as Lutherans refer to the church as our mother? Ooh, is there a scriptural text on this? <sighs> son, behold your mother. Woman, behold your son. I think would be a major pre-modern text for that. And I think it's probably sufficient for the metaphor to be obvious. Um, You do got this whole thing in revelation where Mary slash the church uh, is a woman who gives birth to Jesus. um, And yet the child is also there and escaping. And so uh, the metaphor there is not so narrow as the modern mind for parable would like it to be or the man of mind for modern mind for allegory would like it to be. Um, but it's, it's pretty evident that in Johannine thought, and remember, he's the guy who took the woman into his house and she lived with him in Ephesus until he wrote these books uh, that he uses the image of the the mother of Christ uh, to uh, portray all of us being born from the spirit's work among all of us as the church as the bride of Christ, too, right? So if you want to get Freudian, yeah, he marries his mom. But, like, no. I mean, you're just being a dumb modernist again. You're just you're just ignoring, like, how ancient people thought, and you're trying to be too smart for your own good. And that's why most of you go crazy. Like, all of those guys, Nietzsche, Freud, I mean, it wasn't a happy ending. It wasn't a happy ending. So, um... Uh, is there a scripture text? Otherwise it's like, you know, the church is the mother of all. No. And so the, the Roman kind of extrapolation on this is right insofar far it is beautiful and wrong insofar as it is a claim to supremacy for the antichristic Pope. Right. Uh, so, uh, but I would say like a lot of what even Rome talks about with this, we can just appropriate and say, yeah, it's exactly right with our theology filling in what they haven't said. Right. Um, but, uh, and, and in this, so in our confessions, Lutheran confessions, uh, uh, we do call Mary the Theotokos. I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but it's kind of connected. Um, Theotokos, the, the mother of God. She's rightly called the mother of God because truly as a human mother, she bore the man who is God. And that doesn't mean she was divine. That's where Rome goes askew again. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, really? That's what you do. Anyway, they, don't, it's just, we just yell at each other. We just yell past each other. Um, Mm -mm 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 -mm. and so I lost my track and I swim like a baby shark. Did I make you sing? I haven't sung it yet. Haven't sung baby shark. Totally forgot what I was saying. Is there a scripture text on our mother, Theotokos? There it is. Mother of God. There it comes. Um, (laughs) So, rightly calling her the mother of God, seeing the value of her as just a human bearing God. Well, that's what the church is. is just a human. Every time two or three are gathered each two or three are one, and they walk off, and they're that extension, they're that member of that body bearing Christ. Uh, the Spirit enters by the preaching, and certainly confirms and stamps it on you uh, with the food. So, um, you're being born, and there's, there's a reason that's called the consummation of the service. <laughs> so, it, it takes like all father-mother sex and family metaphors and binds them into one universal and ultimate woman which each woman out there ultimately reflects. So why not? You have a whole life. You're not just bound to one identity or another. And so it it plays with all of that. And it says that's fine because it's a metaphor for what we're actually doing as, and you can see it, right? We're gathering together, we're eating bread and wine, we're hearing the scriptures opened, right? That's the church mothering us, right? Singing the songs and lullabies to us. Um, So uh, in fact, so also Matt, I would say, oh, which book was it? The Church She Sings. I'm pretty sure in one of my works, I do go into Church's mother. Oh, what was it? it's? It's been broken. It's been broken. Oh yeah, Grandma, Grandma the Werewolf. What a book! I can't believe I wrote that. Um, boo. James Moore says, "How do I know that a pagan knows what he is talking about?" Can <laughs> you? You know that he doesn't. If he's read the scriptures, like Jordan Peterson or say a Hebrew rabbi you know that he knows what he's talking about concerning his religion insofar as his religion makes use of the truths of Scripture. But they don't know what they're talking about concerning Christianity because they're not one. And you can't until you are because it's a Holy Spirit reality. Like, it's not, you know, feel it. Ooh, burning the bosom. But like, no, like, it's you can't actually understand. To understand would be to believe. It, it, they, are, they, are, they are simultaneous. It is an awakening. It, it, is, a, it is a new regeneration. So, um... How do you know the pagan knows what they're talking about when they, with Christianity? They don't. Even when they say the truth, they don't. They know not what they do. Take our Lord seriously. They know not what they do. They are, they are sleepwalking. Okay? Um, they can smatter information, like, oh tidbit, oh tidbit, oh fact, oh fact. And they use it to build their own self anointed pyramid of salvation for themselves. Whatever that means, right? But they have no way to really understand or talk about Christianity. So you should assume they don't know. And what you should assume they don't know most most is that they're saved. Not they, (laughs) as in the them, uh, but you as in the person you're actually talking to. So if you're actually talking to this pagan, this unbeliever, just assume the thing they don't know most is the consolation of salvation. Now, maybe they're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with everything I believe. Okay, well, they're a scoffer then. Yeah, they know they're a fool um they don't even know how afraid they are <laughs> they've they have completely seared their own consciences uh this is not impossible in fact can happen in a very young age in life i would suggest so so like it is what it is it's the inheritance they have what do you want to do he has risen i think by and large he is risen i mean in the conversation he is risen and that's all i really want to kind of talk about if we're going to debate it all. If you want to know what the Bible says, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm going to debate all this other stuff with you. You don't even believe he's risen. You're just, you're just a pagan. I mean, honestly, you're just a monkey. Like that's your religion, right? So not mine, yours. So, so far as you're concerned, you can go do your monkey thing. That should make you happy since I'm respecting your religion, right? Um, But when you want to talk about mine, you don't get to. Mine's holy. Mine is set apart. Mine is written in such a way that if you do not believe it, it will condemn you as you read it and you will take it and use it to condemn yourself more. It says that. So, like... <laughs> James, that's a great question. And thank you for the... I put your own picture in the after. That's brave man. That's pretty awesome. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I saw... I saw... Do-do-do. Sarah, say this. So, many crucifix appendix frustrate me because the face is usually skewed or vague and often the body looks artificial. I guess I'm a crucifix snob. You're an art art snob. <laughs> There's worse things in life. We need a few around. Um, I'm going to look at mine now. I'm gonna... I really like mine. I, I was very happy when I found it. Um, it wasn't ostentatious or large um, and, you know, attention calling, but definitely does the job. Um, you know, and by crucifix, I mean, there's all sorts of them out there. They have they have ones that don't really have the full form of the body, but they have kind of like an outline shape. Uh, so, you know, I think, uh, Sarah, that everybody should try to find a focal point for prayer that they like to look at. And if you haven't found one yet, that's okay. And if you have a favorite cross that you really just like, that's okay too. I was not saying crosses are bad, right? Remember this. I was st- strictly saying that saying crosses are bad means we have to say crucifixes are better now. Because <laughs> they they authentically show you something that the cross does not. It does not. It does not. Uh, not by itself. Not without the Christ who was on it. And you have to tell that story. And so, well, well don't tell me we can't put him on it because that's the point of the story. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know this. All right, coming down more, coming down more. Uh, Ryan says, isn't emotionalism a word that can be used to describe how people seem to seek worship where they feel the spirit? Yeah, sure. Uh, Trying to feel God, trying to feel the presence of God, the immediacy of God, uh, to have a non-mediated experience of the divine. Uh, That is also what mysticism usually pursues. And I I certainly have been uh, called out on or complained about uh, for saying that that mysticism is that, by mystics, are like it's not that. We're really just different. Maybe they are. I don't know. Um, words don't mean as much as they used to. But certainly, you know, whatever we're going to call it, whatever you want to label it, trying to feel the spirit is the wrong game. You don't want to try to feel anything. You're supposed to feel what you feel and in church you're supposed to well pay attention to listen to hear believe the scriptures and they're going to give you feelings but there is definitely a mega church movement a para rome that's out there saying, well, we really have Jesus because we can make you feel the spirit here and we do it with drugs. Or not really, just, just rock and roll. Because <laughs> totally, electric music has no drug-like abilities uh, effect on the brain whatsoever. It's completely normal and everyone in history has lived with it all the time. So just walking around with it blaring in your ears all the time, completely normal. It will have no effect on your psyche. Don't worry about it. I mean, think about it. Think about it. So then trying to put that into worship, trying to make worship New, different. All you can do is take away what is enduring and everlasting. And all you can do then is build things that are going to fall down. And we've been doing that. You know, we got we got really cocky. <laughs> the Christian century started bad and they didn't really repent. <laughs> they didn't really repent. Hmm. Jordan says, thanks for all you do. You're welcome. Double dip question. That's all right. Uh, we got time? Yeah, we got time. And does the Bible have any advice for those watching their society commit suicide? <laughs> yes, the whole book. It's called Proverbs. <laughs> uh, by embracing foolishness and evil. How should we pray? Yeah, whole book called Psalms. I, Sons of Solomon. Okay, it's been a while since I talked about this. The Sons of Solomon still exist. It's just not the thing I'm going to promote forever. But what we are is a very real brotherhood. A brotherhood of prayer strictly in the belief that the Psalms are the word of God and that praying them together Will unify us. That uh, We don't have to have everything unified before we start. That we can open the Bible separately and pray the same words that are given for prayer, in the dispersion particularly, and that those prayers will unify us because that's what those prayers pray for and do. So, Joining, quote unquote, the Sons of Solomon by simply praying the Sons of Solomon prayer routine every single day is my advice for watching your society commit suicide. It is what I am doing as a result of realizing my society was committing suicide. This is what I did. I began praying like this. Okay? I began opening those Psalms every day and making sure I could get them in. Now, if you look at those Psalms, they're at uh, the, the Us the Chill. Go to Us the Chill in your Discord. Mad Christian Discord, or if you want a direct response, just send in to uh, redfist.com slash contact and frisbee will let you know. But uh, putting those four times a day prayers into your cycle is not easy, so don't even have to worry about that, right? Don't even, don't stress about that. What should you do? Pray one of them. Psalm 125, start there every day. Psalm 125, just that one. Uh, If you can't do that, just do Psalm 125 verse one. Memorize it. Say it every morning when you wake up. Those who trust in Jesus Christ are like Mount Zion, which cannot be be moved. And just for fun, Habakkuk, Joshua, Kahar Zion, Lo Olam Yeah, it's Hebrew. So uh, say that to yourself, right? Pray that to yourself. And those particular set of Psalms that uh, that I selected for my own prayer life were not accidental. Were not accidental. So um, <laughs> uh, I had given up. I gave up. Twenty twenty, COVID, and shutting down churches and i gave up and those prayers those psalms that's all i got left and the fact that many men have joined me in praying these and that this has inspired us uh, uh that there's a clock in our lives which is beating with the heartbeat of Jesus Christ right um that that is my advice get in board and so so but if you can't do it all do a little bit once you do it all i mean I tell you what has gone for me it's been it's been marvelous uh, I keep adding psalms. I don't know when I'm going to be able to like, I'm going to have to stop at some point, but like I keep adding So I'm, I, I got a few going every day, every day. And what it is, it's not It's not a work I'm doing to be righteous. No, no, no. It's like feeding me. It's just feeding me. I'm like, oh, can I get another psalm today? Can I get it in? And, and why? Because I'm starving. It doesn't start like that. You don't realize you're hungry. You're a sleepwalker. You, you, you think you're fine. You think I'm feeding on all this nasty stuff, right? Uh, and so you don't realize how hungry you are. So again, my recommendation if you're a man, join the Sons of Solomon. Get, get into that chill group. Just figure out what we do. You don't have to stick around. Just go out and do that thing, right? Uh, get that psalm list. Get yourself a crucifix. Carry your Bible around. Uh, get a prayer book, a small catechism, throw it in the back. They got paperback ones, put them in the back. Um, and carry that around. Be a Christian. Be a visible Christian. Don't be ashamed to be a Christian. Uh, be a son of Solomon. So, uh, da, 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 da. from there, right, uh, from uh, embracing the Psalter as part of your life, Uh, as your daily bread, as it were, Uh, not devotions from other places first. Those are fine, but start with the ones Jesus wrote for you. And And then adding the Proverbs to that again, because, I mean, there's tons of advice in the Proverbs about how to live right now. There's tons of advice about the world looking just like it is right now. And, It's not so much about like, oh, I needed that one point in order to make this one answer over here. Don't think like a hypercritical knowledge buff where it's all geek and dystopic, right? Instead, understand that it is the food that God has prepared for you to feast on to keep your spirit kind of wise, just generally speaking, wise. And and, uh, feasting on it's going to make you know how to walk in this flailing world in which, again, all I can say to you is, yeah, sure. I mean, the stories they're telling, I mean, who knows what they're going to do? Who knows what kind of dystopic, nasty, real zombie apocalypse they've got planned for us. Um, And and yeah, they, they, right? Um, It is is only by virtue of of the Psalms I'm praying with the Sons of Solomon that I can tell you, I just don't think that's going to happen. I I just don't. There could be a war. There's been wars before. A war where you are? I mean, there's a few spots maybe where you're at, but you'll hear about it, right? But like, to get worried about it, to like be concerned about what you might lose in this life because of it, is to spend most of this life missing this life, protecting this life that you aren't even seeing, I would suggest. And again, these prayers gradually reprogram you to have at least one different viewpoint every couple hours of your day to challenge, well, the flesh, yeah, to challenge the flesh. So that's that would be my advice. Um, oh, here's some. This will go with it. This will be good. Um, when I when I started praying like that, um, using those psalms, one of the other things that hold on. one of the other things that um, I've been pondering was. Uh, the idea of an old god and this came about a little bit from uh doing some prep work for a a potential fiction novel and studying uh, various genre and whatnot and and looking at cosmic horror and the idea of what uh, cosmic horror is uh you can go dig on that on your own but the notion of a great old one that's behind everything and in fact doing everything to all of us toward an evil end um that's not a story in my world. That's, that's actually quite spot on. And, uh, you know, the, the sadness of the man who was able to realize he knew what was going on, H.P. Lovecraft, write a story about it, and then not know the answer. I mean, that's really quite, quite sad. Not not see that he was writing of Satan himself. I mean, it's amazing how they channel, isn't it then? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, um, to watch this go on, uh, to try to avoid it. Oh, no, that's not where was going. I'm going to lose it uh i was talking about why i discovered oh the old ones oh yeah yeah okay so but the way it talks about him is like this old god that is basically meant to be feared and then that reminded me of my time in game of thrones which i can't recommend necessarily but i, I can't disrecommend it exactly I, I don't want recommend watching much of anything and reading's a different thing um so uh uh in that though there's a distinction in the whole world they live in between the old gods and the new gods and the old gods are less prone to answer quickly. And the new gods basically reign by money, meaning the priests have figured it out. <laughs> uh, they got they got a good thing going. And uh, so, but the old gods are just like some trees in the woods and stuff, right? Except the thing is, old gods are actually real, and the new gods aren't really there at all. And uh, and the old gods are kind of coming back. And so one of the things that I've been pondering, or was pondering, and began to apply to my prayer life, uh, was the idea that that I should that i would prefer to that it is most natural to worship jesus christ as an old god and not as a new one and i think if you read the new testament actually and at all this is more than evident you know kind of the bible story version of jesus is not very old godish he's a bit pansy i must say um the old god uh of jesus christ is he's a serious serious dude. Um, And he ain't joking around. He doesn't show partiality. Now, he loves his sons and brothers, but it doesn't mean that he's like, oh, my little sheep, you want to go, like, rape, pillage, murder, and hurt? Like, I'm going to hem you in. Hey, you're still my sheep. I'm going to hem you in. I mean, and you find yourself there, it's like, God be praised, I'm hemmed in. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? That's how we should pray. That's how we should pray. Right now, watching the society fall down. God be praised, we are hemmed in. And with that, God be praised. We have the scriptures not taken from us. God be praised. We do have pulpits that can preach if the men there will. And God be praised that we live in a time where awakening from a drunken stupor of self-need and entertaining yourself to death, you have a real world with more opportunity for you to build for the future than maybe any generation that's ever been. Maybe any generation that has ever been. You have more at your fingertips. You don't have to go reinvent anything. You can buy all of it in small parts and achieve what you believe is valuable for you and yours. And you can do it even as a, as a debt servitude bonded slave of the American government. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. And if America falls and the dollar falls, well, that's a scary story, ain't it? What are you going to do? Aha. Pray to Jesus. What am going to do? Are there things you can do? Well, you should listen to A Brief History of Power with me and Dr. Kuntz again. That's where we talk about things like Bitcoin a little bit more. Uh, We we did get into that recently, and he sent um, me—oh, I don't have it in front of me. He sent me a signal uh, uh, text the other night of of a website that was tracking uh, U.S. government reporting of inflation and the amount of inflation in the dollar. If you don't know what inflation is, if you don't know what inflation is, inflation is how the U.S. government— Does more than tax you, they also devalue what they let you get paid in and live with. That is, the dollar is worth less every year generally by 3% so that the U.S. government can tell you it's more valuable than gold. Okay? So that's kind of the the, the end of where it all comes down. And we know this already it's just, just of course we know this and, and it's pretty clear that some of the monetary policies that involve printing money like Weimar Germany did right before they had their cash completely drop out from underneath them and you know the world wars are all about this. Um, uh, 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 those actions that we are taking now well that's only going to increase the inflation. What, what Kuhn's pointed me to was a website where they showed that the government's actually not using their own stats. To present the how much they're inflating the the dollar, and so it's, it's worse. It's way worse than anybody knows. Is what the, the premise of the website is like. The dollar is like it's just it's just a phantom at this point. So and this where like what is Bitcoin? I mean I can tell you Bitcoin is a type of uh, program or code technology that functions as an unbreakable riddle that lets you see the solution, not to breaking it, but the the intended um, lets you see the intended left behind trail, uh, and so you can't erase and as a result of you're being unable to erase the code that is also maintained uh systematically and constantly by multiple nodes you can't you know take one out you can't take it all out it's hydra-esque in a sense uh in that way um bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies like it enable you to invest in a type of truth that cannot be changed as we currently are able to now maybe someone invents you know uh uh, microcomputing uh, or not microcomputing but um Quantum computing, and and all bets are off in terms of whether you can break the, the code for Bitcoin. But the way that the progenerative code in, in Bitcoin works uh, is unbreakable because each new layer of code. Imagine like when when your uh, your passcode generator uh, gives you this big long string of random, right? So every recode adds a new layer of that. So every layer of code is relayered and relayered, and there's no way to unpile it. And I, I don't know how understand how this works. On, on a coding level i 'm not the kind of guy, um, but it makes sense to me that they 've built a riddle that spirals and cannot unlock, but allows you to hold hold the idea of work in it because all money is is the idea of work it's stored work, and so Bitcoin functions in this way the same way that say gold does gold is different than bitcoin, Bitcoin is investing in an electronic future in the belief of a, a truly dystopic future, and uh, gold is investing a little more wild west yeah you 're a little more like like uh I don't know, Robin Hood-ish, right? Uh, You're going to be trading with coins at some point, right? Um, uh, What I know from Tony Robbins is that diversifying your assets is a good idea and getting out of debt is a good idea. What I also know is the daily bread is of Jesus Christ. Daily bread is of Jesus Christ. I know the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous or his children begging for bread. It says that. It says that. I know it's hard to believe. I don't believe it. It's hard to believe. But it says that. So maybe we should try praying with that in mind <laughs> you know what I'm saying uh, how should we pray with that in mind that that Jesus Christ will not let the righteous starve and that even if he does once or twice in history it doesn't undo that promise for the great natural reality and those who he lets it happen to that are Christians that do starve are going to be like this Rise for Jesus and I'm okay with this I'm going home uh, so yeah uh, where did I get my crucifix uh ebay a long time ago ebay a long time ago yeah yeah, I ordered two and the other one was really small. And it surprised me. A great deal. Uh well, don't do that it says with the turntable. Uh to what degree does a pectoral cross denote that one holds the office of pastor to 0 degree? Um is there a distinction between a pectoral cross and the cru- crucif- crucifix the Sons of Solomon carry? Um no, a pectoral cross is just you want to wear it, right? And I I highly recommend it. It's very accessible. <laughs> I can pray quickly. Um as opposed to pocket, I I have too much in my pockets as it is. So, uh no, the, the only thing that denotes the office of the pastor at this, I mean, that's, there's nothing in the Bible to denote the office of the pastor aside from the recognition of the congregation that he's preaching at. Uh, that is mainly what is required of us. Now, a, a lineage or a history of teaching the orthodoxy handed on from faithful bishops, um, that's also part of it, right? But but if you want to just kind of kind of boil it down, the main thing that denotes one holds the office of the pastor is that the church you're preaching to believes it. It's the main thing. You could be a false pastor, okay? But but that you are a pastor. You're doing it, right? Um, and so then there are other ways that some of us who do that are like, okay, there's a really kind of universal way to, to signal this. And one of those is the caller, clerical caller, or Rome, uh, Lutherans, Episcopalians and Anglicans, uh, some Methodists, a bunch of others from um, say like uh, uh, Episcopal Methodists and whatnot. Uh, uh, more historically black churches, uh, they'll wear this this, uh, collar, various colors, but black's kind of the historic one. Purple's more of a bishop color. Red is the cardinal color. White's the pope's color. So why are you buying that, dude? That's weird. Anyway, (laughs) um, uh, those tend to mark someone as someone who's not only been called by their congregation, um, but who has been called by a uh, para-church organization of congregations, a church body, as it were, and has some like larger uh, systematic authorization probably within that group, and so it can be called upon publicly in different ways. Um, and then uh, in the LCMS, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, a lot of times in the congregation, a stole will be the thing that marks a pastor, if you're looking for the pastor, that is, along with uh, some sort of vestment or robe, he will have on a uh, a piece of cloth that hangs around his neck, uh, and it looks like a yoke uh, on an ox and we have decorations and symbols on it. But that, that yoke is uh, a yoke of office. So think of it like in the ancient Roman world where you've been walking around with a toga and you have this colorful thing that you wrap around you and maybe it's got like family name on it and a bunch of like authority on it. And you walk around with your, your pretty colored you know thing that's just stole. Right. And then the higher office, you'd have more official ones. Um, and so, you know, this is still a tradition from 3rd century, 2nd century, 3rd century, uh, 4th century uh, Romanizing of of the Western Christian Church. And it's not necessarily bad, it's a, it's a signal, right? So you send the signal, you send. I actually don't wear uh, a stole very often. I tend to wear a chasuble, which is a larger piece that the stole's supposed to go under, but I can't see it. And I I, I mean, I guess I could. It doesn't fit. It doesn't match, all this stuff. Anyway, um, but uh, uh, you know, I wear that larger piece because that is the vestment particular to the Lord's Supper's celebrant, the one who, who speaks the words of institution. And the stole is more just uh, particular to anybody serving in an, an uh, ordained or officially recognized office. Um, also, what I find fascinating is that the alb stole combination in the LCMS has no real historic bearing in the ancient world it's very strange uh the alb is the undergarment it's it's your underwear and so you're supposed to put the alb on and then you put the chasuble on over the top or some other thing over the top probably not just a stole um so i uh, i don't know it's the ancient world there's symbols that they are here um we use them as we use them uh but the, the really the the final degree of what denotes one holds the office of pastor like well if one de- desires the office they desire a noble task and they are to be Uh, tested, and what you are to find is that both their life and their words align with Scripture in an irreproachable way so far as you're able to tell if you're the ones that are going to be saying to this person, preach and teach. Uh, And um, so to that degree, uh, we also recognize that the church doesn't make pastors, Jesus does. And the real sign of of a Christian pastor is that he preaches Christ. And he can't help it. He opens his mouth and he does it. It's, it's not on him. It wasn't some great insight he had. It's, he's, we're not prophets. We're not prophets. Uh, we're like the judges, kind of, but we're not really. We're, we're, we're shepherds. How do we shepherd? We call out the name of the good shepherd and we announce what he has done. And we can't help it. We're driven to it. Woe to us if we don't. For us, it's, we have to hear it, so we got to say it. Yeah. And for the rest of you, we're sent for your sake. Um, and then, how do you recognize that? Right. You don't just let anybody who says, "I want to speak for Jesus," come in. They must be tested. But but see that like, kind of the sign of the office of the pastor is a man who can't help but talk about Jesus. So that's, that should be the first first sign. And if he, if he's talking about a lot of stuff that ain't Jesus, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? How do you find the Mad Christian Discord? It says Garden Variety Citrus. You got to download the Discord app, and this is awkward, but it's like escaping Facebook and YouTube all at once. It's like it's like diving toward a maybe it'll be here for us ten years from now location. And uh, as long as we don't get real racist in there, which we don't, so <laughs> whatever that means these days. Uh, so you uh, go to uh, either Mac or PC, doesn't matter. Get yourself your app store. Uh, get Discord. You're gonna have to log in, create an account. Uh, you're going to ignore most of what happens in Discord. Discord can let you do many other things in life, but you don't really need any of that. All you want then is to search for us, the chill in the uh, server search engine, which is uh, just up in the left-hand corner, I think. You can just type in. And you, you'll send a request to become part of our server, right? It's like you're joining our kind of private Facebook, and uh, and you will be dropped into, Welcome to the Madness, a room where nobody talks. <laughs> but you'll see that all these other people have been dropped in. You'll see there's lots of little things they welcome, or happier, or here's a yay, and all this kind of stuff, like little pictures to make you feel happy for being there. And so if you come back, you'll find people said... Yeah, you're here, even though no one knows who you are. But on the left then, once you're in, you're going to see that in this server there is a host of channels, which we're going to probably clean this here in the next couple of months. But it's it's great. There's a lot going on in there. Um, a host of channels devoted to mad Christianity about this, that, or the other thing. Uh, it is Fight Club. It is a place where we want to be able to disagree and be kind, be disagree and not believe that we hate each other, right? To actually be able to debate Fight, um, but also recognize that we are all walking on the same journey. In this, then, the place is subjected to my tyranny, which generally means that if there's a real fight going on, I gave you my answer, and that's the one you're supposed to accept for the group. And just let's get over it now, guys. Okay, and we move on. It's worked out pretty well. So you know, you're welcome to come in. We've got it's, it continues to grow. We get all sorts of diversity in there. It's it's a water cooler. It's a water cooler. And hopefully, it'll be your last stop on the internet before you put your phone down, and go do something real. So um, that's how you find it. You get the discord app search for us the chill in the server search engine send it uh, if you really can't do it uh send a comment to uh com slash contact and we will we'll will put somebody in touch with you we'll put somebody in touch with you somehow some way all right do, 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 amy says this oh we're over time but that's okay amy says pastor fisk your recommendation for reading the psalms has completely changed my personal bible study to a wholly different are you saying you had your life changed? amy I, I think we need to like walk this back. I think you have to stop reading the Psalms because you've experienced life change and we all know that life change is not what Christianity is all about because the evangelicals do it wrong. It's a changed life, Amy. It's a changed life, isn't it? It's so much better. Oh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my feet. I'm just scanning all. You guys are having a great conversation. I'm scanning it down, scanning it down, scanning it down. I lift my eyes to the foothills of Zion, from whence my salvation hastens. My help comes from Jesus Christ, maker of heaven and earth, who neither slumbers nor sleeps as he watches over us like a shepherd, watching over his flock. So Jesus Christ watches over his people closer at hand. And the shadows that we cast. And the blood that runs in our veins. The trail of our steps are all at His direction. Yes, Jesus Christ directs your feet, both venture and retreat from this time forth and even forevermore. For Jesus Christ is your refuge, your fortress, your God, in whom you trust. He shall deliver you from the snare. He shall hide you from the deadly pestilence. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. One thousand may fall at your right hand, ten thousand at your right side, but you shall not be moved. You shall only look with your own eyes upon the recompense of the wicked while no plague comes near your tent. You shall tread upon the lion and trample the serpent underfoot because Jesus Christ will answer you when you call the hymn. Because Jesus Christ Is your shepherd. So you shall not lack. He'll make you to lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead you beside fresh waters. He's already restored your soul. So that yes, though you walk through this veil of abandonment, loneliness, performance anxiety, fear and regret. You will fear no evil. Because Jesus Christ is with you. His rod, his the staff, they have become a comfort to you so that you can see how he prepares before you in the presence of your enemies a table on which your cup runneth over so that it remains a certainty. Tov v'kesed, goodness and mercy shall follow you hound you so that they exude from you all the days of your life simply because you dwell in the body of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and a thricefold holy amen. Hey, my friends, don't wallow in the muck with those who have no hope but lift up your heads all the more as you see the day approaching. I'll catch you next week. Rock on. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please?